0: of all grace, we do thank you that we can gather together in this place. God, we're thankful that you have made a way through Jesus for us to truly worship you. God, we are thankful that you've given us your word and you have not left us to ourselves and your word speaks to all things. God, we're thankful that your your word is always timely because your word is timeless. God, I ask for your grace as we look at multiple texts this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open eyes, open ears, open minds, and open hearts this morning. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help me to faithfully teach the Word of God. I pray, Lord, that I would be bold in preaching the Word of God. And that would be tempered with love. Holy Spirit, we ask for your help. We ask that you would use this time to bring more people to know Jesus. Or for those of us who know Jesus, to look more like him. God, help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are going to be in a lot of text this morning, but the main one will probably be Romans 13, so if you want to turn somewhere, because you're used to doing that, you can turn to Romans 13. All right. We need to talk. If, you're, if you've been around a while or have come a couple of times, you know that in general we preach through, I preach through books of the Bible. We've gone through John, we've gone through 1 John, we've gone through Ruth, we've gone through Esther, and we've been working through the book of Romans. And we will continue to work through the book of Romans, but that's going to be put off for a few weeks, probably about one month. Today we are going to start a mini-series. For three Sundays, we are going to look at God over government. So let me say a few things. First, Acts 20, 24 through 27, the Apostle Paul is talking to the elders from Ephesus. And in Acts 20, here's what he says to them. He says, but I do not account my life as any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may Finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul saying, that was my, my, my task given to me and I just want to finish my race. Verse 25, and now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. He says to them, you're never going to see me again. I'm going to die before you see me. But here's what he says, and this is why I want to share it with you. Verse 26, therefore, I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Part of why we are shifting to for this season, God over government is for that very reason. So I can look at each one of you and I can look to the Lord Jesus and say, I am innocent of your blood. And I am not shrinking back from declaring the whole counsel of God to you. So why preach on this topic? Because the Bible has something to say about it. No matter what you've been told, it does. It speaks to this topic. And we need to think biblically about government and the like And God's word is sufficient and profitable for us in these things. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may become complete, equipped for every good work. That means the word of God speaks to it. So we need to listen. But why now? I believe the spirit of God has impressed upon me that I need to teach what scripture says before the election that's coming up in our country. So that each of you can make a biblically informed decision that, listen carefully to me, that you will give an account to Christ for. You will stand before Christ for this election and any other that you have voted in and will give an account. We as the elders believe that this time to be the most prudent to teach and preach about this topic. There is great temptation for the church to become divided over politics. We must fight for unity in the gospel, and we all must submit to the authority of Scripture. Amen? Amen. Amen? Also, third, politics and government are constantly topics of conversation and thought right now. And we have a unique opportunity as the body of Christ to be salt and light during a season of bitterness and darkness. Let me tell you what I'm not doing today. I am not endorsing a political party or a presidential candidate. I am not trying to use the pulpit to push my, I, my agenda or ideas. I am not trying to convince anyone that they should completely refrain from political discussion or participation. I am not trying to drive anyone away from our church that may have different views on politics, government, or the Christians' involvement in them. I'm not trying to do any of that. Let me tell you what I'm hoping to do. I hope to lay out for you a biblical understanding of government and its God-appointed purpose. I hope to give you biblical principles or commands on how Christians should live under God-appointed governments. I hope to give you biblical principles and commands on how Christians should live under evil governments that do not operate as God has designed them to. I hope to give you biblically informed principles and commands so that you can in good conscience vote or not vote in this election or any election to the glory of God. I hope to convince or remind you that your hope is not found in government, policy, person, or any nation on this earth. I hope to remind you where your true citizenship is. And my favorite one, I hope to convince and remind you that God is sovereign over all government, kings, rulers, presidents, and nations. So that's the introduction to the whole series. It's going to be three parts. Part one today, authority in the four realms. Some of you are like, four realms, this kind of sounds like a a fantasy book or something like that. Lord of the Rings or something. Authority in the four realms. We're going to have a lot of scripture today. Some of them will be up on the screen. Hopefully, if not, you can listen. Hopefully, you have the notes. If we ran out of notes and you want them, let me know and I will send them to you. Authority in the four realms. First thing to say, God is the one who has all authority, all supremacy, all right, all power, and sovereignly rules over all kings, leaders, rulers, governments, and nations. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-eight: For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Psalm 115, verse 3, our God is in the heavens, and he does all that he pleases. Daniel, chapter 2, 19 through 21, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, listen to what Daniel says about our God, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. It is our God who raises up kings and puts them down, raises up nations and puts them down. He does whatever he pleases. Amen? In the same book, Daniel was dealing with King Nebuchadnezzar, one of the most powerful men in history. Starting in verse 28, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar At the end of 12 months, he was walking on his roof of the royal palace in Babylon. He's walking around as king. He's feeling great about himself. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven from among men. And your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men. And gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and he ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. He was proud of his power And the Lord quickly showed him where he is in line. Then, verse 34, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, listen to what Nebuchadnezzar says now. I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason restored to me. Where does he look? He looks to heaven knowing where he should have looked in the first place. My reason was restored to me. I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? You think he learned? In Matthew 28, after our Lord lives the perfect life that we should have lived, died the death that we should have died and rose, showing that his sacrifice for our sins was sufficient and that God approved of that sacrifice because Jesus was worthy. He now says this, you're familiar with the Great Commission in particular. And Jesus said to them, starting in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am With you always to the end of the age. He says in 18, all authority on heaven and earth is his. Another way of saying that would be in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, speaking of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. There are a lot more verses that I could go to. Point number one, if you didn't catch it yet, God is sovereign. God is the authority. He is over everything, including the nations, including the governments, including every human being. He is the one with authority. Clear? Good. See, this is going well. Next section I want to point out. God is the one with authority over all things, and then he gives authority to others. He gives authority to others. We're going to look at some verses now that show that. All this will be building. Now, again, remember, do not just come for this sermon. You need to be here for all three because it's all going to build on one another. In Genesis chapter 1, Starting in verse 28. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Talking to Adam and Eve here. And fill the earth. Okay? Have a whole bunch of kids. So this is going to extend all them. And subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with the seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and morning the sixth day. He creates Adam and Eve, and he says, You are over this. Now, who's? ultimately over it, God. But he gives that dominion to man. What's great about that section of Scripture is there's no sin yet. If it could have stayed like that, it would have gone really well. But that wasn't part of the plan either. And they fall. So they're given this dominion from God, this authority, but they fall. Let me read Psalm 8 to you. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look to your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. This is part of what it means to be made in the image of God. You have given him, verse 6 in particular, dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet. We are given dominion from God. Another place in, concerning government in particular, John chapter 19. You remember Jesus has been arrested at this point, and he's going before Pilate. Pilate said to him, starting in verse 10, You will not speak to me. Jesus wasn't responding like Pilate wanted. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? He says to Jesus. You know what Jesus says? Jesus answered him. You have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from where? Above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. The only authority that government has in particular is from God. But they do have authority from God. Last one. Psalm 115, 16, the heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of men. What am I trying to point out? Based upon these definitions, these verses, many of these verses and other verses, we see that there are four realms of governments that exist. God has given authority to four different categories. I need you to see this because the way we think about government and the way we think about this world is very important and tied to these different categories or realms or governments if you want. When I'm saying government or realm, here's what I mean. I'm going back up a little bit on your notes just to say, authority is given from God to humans to steward and govern this world. In other words, it's to Another word for other words for government or govern would be to rule, exercise, dominion, have authority over, subdue or watch over. There are four categories or spheres, realms that God has given. Let me share them with you. The first one. Self-government. Or the realm of self. This government focuses on the individual's right to make choices concerning a wide range of areas pertaining to that individual. Being created by God means that you have choices that you get to make. This is what kind of food you're going to eat. Things about your health or hobbies. Whether you're going to follow the Lord or not. What religion you're actually going to follow. He gives us freedom to choose that. You can choose wrongly, but he gives you the ability to choose. That is the first realm, self. Second realm, the family government or the family realm. This government of Rome has to do with the responsibilities that parents and families have for one another. This includes the roles and responsibilities of husbands, wives, children, grandparents. You want some passages? You can look at Ephesians 5, Ephesians 6, Colossians 3, Genesis 1, 1 Corinthians 7, and chapter 11, 1 Peter 3, Proverbs 22, 6, and Deuteronomy 6. You can look at those, take the notes with you, read about those. It's going to be part of your homework to say that there is another realm, the family realm, that God has given authority to that there are supposed to be decisions made inside the family that's different from the other realms, the other governments. So you have the self-choices that you're making, you have your family realm. Now we're going to go to the third. On your notes, I have church government slash theocracy. I'm going to put these together. In the Old Testament, there was the nation of Israel, and they were a theocracy. God was to be their king. New Testament, which we is more kind of relevant to us right now, would be the church. There is the church realm. There are things that the church is over, that the, cha- the church is supposed to do, that no other realm is supposed to get into. Okay? This has a lot to do, obviously, with the proclamation of the gospel. This has to do with the ordinances. This has to do with things like church discipline. We even have a church government. You know what that is? We have two offices in the church, elders or pastors. We have deacons. The congregation has authority. We are led by elders, but ruled by the congregation overall. Jesus is the head still, but there's church government, another realm. Individual, family, church. Now the fourth one. The civil government. This realm is separate from the church realm, but it is still under God. I like what Pastor Tony Evans rightly says, that there should be separation of church and state, but not God and government. Jesus speaks about this Rome and its relation to the church. We read it earlier. Matthew 22, 15 through 20, 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. We're going to figure out how to trap Jesus. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, and said, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. As one pastor said, that's called buttering up. Trying to butter up Jesus here, they're going to try to catch him. Just so you know, not a good plan. Not a good plan. Verse 17, tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? got the two groups. you got the, the Roman side. Oh, he's going to be in trouble if he answers that way. Jewish people is going to be in trouble if he answers this way. What's he going to do? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Verse 22, when they heard it, they, went, they were marveled and they left and went away. Oh, that didn't work. What's interesting is there is under the authority of God, the things that go to Caesar, but don't forget everything belongs to God. So there's a tie there that we're going to look at in the coming weeks. What's the purpose of this realm? Let's look in our passage for a little bit here. Romans 13. We're going to be in Romans 13, 1 Peter 2 and 1 Timothy 2 for the next three weeks, this week and the next two weeks as well. But let me work through this briefly. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger, who carries out, look at this, God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. First Peter 2, 13 and 17. I'm going to read all three of these and make just some general observations. First Peter 2, 13 through 17. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those, look at this, who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants to God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Last one, 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high places, that we may lead peaceful and quiet, uh, peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Like I said, we're going to work through these texts more closely coming up, but look at some of these observations I have. Here is why the government exists, the civil government. God establishes the authority. They are to punish evil and approve what is good. Said multiple times punish evil and approve what is good. That punishment can include death. And when that happens, that is God's wrath being poured out. They exist to help us, all people, to live freely and be able to do good. That's why they exist. They should govern in ways that promote people to lead peaceful, godly, dignified, and quiet lives. That should be what their aim is. For this to happen, guess what? The government must know what godly and dignified even means. The government is supposed supposed to submit to God's standard. And that comes from his word. All right, now, you might be getting a little uncomfortable with that. There's supposed to be a separation. God is sovereign over all. Whether they submit to it or not, that is their choice. But when you do not follow what the Lord says, judgment comes. They are still under the authority. How can they, think about this for a second, how can they reward what is good and punish evil if they do not know what good and evil are? How are they going to know what good and evil are, what God says? The only way they're going to know that is what the word of God says. So there has to be some overlap here. They are not to cross over into the other realms. They are not to come into that personal realm. They are not to come into the family realm. They are not to come into the church realm. They are supposed to stay in their realm and make sure that everyone can function in their different realms. That's their job. The further we go away from the moral law of God and we get into those different realms, the more chaos, conflict, confusion will be there and evil will prevail. You ever seen that? Right. Okay, so let me recap for you today. God is sovereign over all. God gives authority to the four different realms on earth that we are to live by. These realms, again, are self, family, church, and civil. Each realm is to stay in their assigned realm within their authority. And civil government exists to make sure that people can live freely and peaceably in each realm. And they are to punish good and reward evil. That's the biblical teaching. I mean, punish evil, reward good. Thank you. (laughs) Nice. You were listening. Unfortunately... That's probably in there because that's all we see. We see a lot of reward for evil and a lot of punishing of good. So your application for this week, here's what I want you to actually do with this stuff. I want you to praise your God for his sovereignty, that he is over it all and for his gift of these four realms. These are good gifts from our God. I want you to praise him for that. I want you to study these texts and ask God to reveal to you, are you being faithful in those various realms? I want you to realize and submit to the fact that all authority is established by God. Now, some of you are already thinking, how do we live under evil governments? Well, next week is going to be how do we live under good governments that are functioning as they should. No one's, none of them are perfect, of course. And then the third week is, how do we live under evil governments as Christians? That's what we're going to talk about. I want you to take, and this is going to be hard for some of you, at least two days away from the news. I want you to turn it off. Your choice, but I want to encourage you to turn it off, step away from it, and just pray and read and study. And ask God during that time to show you is the American civil government faithfully exercising its role based upon what we've talked about. Make a list. Write the areas that it's doing well and write a a list of where it's not if you find that it's not. And last, I want you to rest. I need you to rest and give God any fear you have about the coming election or the government. Rest. He is in control. There are many nations and kingdoms, but only one everlasting kingdom. That kingdom, as we saw with the shoebox, is a multitude from every tribe, tongue, and nation. There are many kings and many lords, but brothers and sisters, hear me carefully, there is only one King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen?